SMC Fireside Chats, a weekly show featuring conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and outdoor hospitality experts who share their insights to help your business succeed. Hosted by Brian Searle, the founder and CEO of Insider Perks, empowered by insights from Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. everybody to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Brooks. Super excited to be here with all of you. It's our second to last episode before the holiday season. I think next week we're going to have a really cool wrap-up show, so be sure you come back and check that out because there'll be more guests here, and then that means less talking for me, so that means there's always a better show. But super excited to have a couple of people here on to talk about the glamping industry again in our regular focus show here. So we've got uh, Dave from Canadian Sleeping Barrels. He's going to talk to us about his super cool accommodations that he has. We have Tyson and Audrey Levitt. Is it or Levitt? Yep. Levitt. All right, good. I got it right the oh, first time. Nailed it. So for no reasons. So super excited to have these guys here. They are uh, not too far from me in Lethbridge, Alberta, but have really super cool. I'm not even going to spoil it. Super cool things to show you from the glamping side. And then as always, we have Vivek from Clockwork, our resident architect, genius, speaker, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and super excited to just talk to you about glamping here. So why don't we just go around and we'll just start with a little brief introductions. And Zach, of course, if you want to just start and tell us briefly about Clockwork. For those who don't know. Sure. I'm Zach Stolenberg. I'm the Outdoor Hospitality Director for Concord Architecture based in Kansas City. And we work with wonderful folks all across the country to help them design and brand and master plan and build their glamping resorts. Awesome. Thank you, Zach, for being here. Dave, you want to go next? Certainly. <laughs> Dave Byers, we're on Vancouver Island. And several years ago, we were told there was a staff accommodation shortage in Euculet and Tofino. So we took our largest barrel sauna, put a king-sized bed in it and a pull-out table and turned it into a sleeping barrel and sold 60 of them. And we continue to open up different resorts. <clears throat> the Cumberland Lake Provincial Park just purchased five. We're selling them all over, mostly Canada, starting to get into the United States a bit. And awesome. uh, the entire barrel sells for 20 grand. So renting it out, you can pretty much pay for it in one season. Very cool. We're going to dive more into those, into those barrels. I didn't realize for whatever reason that you were on Vancouver Island too. So I was going to I was about to say before Tardy Chris showed up to the show. <laughs> at the entrance, like it was going to be all Canadians. <laughs> Tyson and Audrey. Tyson and Audrey, Audrey Levitt from Lethbridge, Alberta. We build storybook homes and we, we started by building playhouses and shipping them all over North America where I had some uh, and influencers. And then we adapted our playhouses into accommodations where we launched charmed resorts and now we are completing that resort and we're looking for opportunities to license out our product throughout uh, and beyond. Awesome. Super excited to talk to you more about that. Audrey, I didn't want to, do you have, do you want to introduce yourself to Audrey? Cause you're equally as, you're probably more important than Tyson. Let's be honest, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm Audie Levitt. I'm responsible for the social media and decorating all of our little fairy tale houses at the resort. Awesome. Welcome. I can't wait to, to share your website and all that kind of stuff. Chris, I feel like I shouldn't let you intro yourself since you were late, but go ahead, man. Yes, my name's Chris Jube. I own Monument Glamping here in Monument, Colorado. I also uh, develop YouTube videos for other glampers under Glamping Guy, and I help other glamping operators develop safe, legal, and profitable glamping operations on their private property. I have two properties, 12 units. Lots of neat things going on here in Monument, and I just like to journal my story online for others. All right. I'm not a hard-hitting journalist. This is the toughest thing I'm going to ask the entire show for anybody, but why were you late, Chris? Explain it to me now. I was actually on the phone with my son. We are hiring a new outfit, a legal outfit, uh, to push through a uh, modification that we have, as well as a second special use that we're pushing through. 
Big news for Zach. I got to get a hold of you, Zach, because we, you've been a you've been a part of whole this the politics here in in El Paso County. Not so much politics. It's the it's the permitting processes that uh-huh. went here. Yeah. and it's been I've been up to my eyeballs and trying to make things work. But yeah, and so we've got some some big dogs in the fight that that will help help not only me continue doing what I'm doing, but build on what I'm doing. I just want to bring up that before the show started, we were talking to Dave here from Canadian Sleeping Barrels, which we're going to explore more about if we could take one of his barrels over Niagara Falls. And if you, I think, and I'm not saying you should do this to be clear, because there's probably needs to be a terms and conditions that anything that comes out of my mouth should not be taken seriously in the show. You could put your neighbor inside one of Dave's barrels. You've heard about my neighbor. Oh my goodness. What a neighbor. <laughs> and yeah. Okay, for the viewers, this this is what I've got going on. I have a next door neighbor who is adamantly against my glamping operation. Uh, the thing is, is that most of my neighbors are actually for it, uh, so it's not a it's not a situation where I've got this huge uprising against me. Uh, I've got this one neighbor who's just loud and proud about being against it. I don't know, Chris. I heard about it all the way in Canada. So uh, yeah, yeah, she's loud. She's loud. And, and just recently, last week, she was getting little traction with the El Paso County Sheriff because she was calling the sheriff on me for duck hunting on my property. So I was down at the creek with my sons and she calls every single time. El Paso County Sheriff, we call them before we go hunting and we just say, hey, we're going to be hunting if Arlene calls. Oh, sure thing, Chris, we'll got you on the thing. And that's how it goes every time we go hunting. It's just one of those neighbors. She took it to social media and she went on next door neighbor and posted that there was a live shooter on that monument glamping property. So she's against monument glamping and she's trying using social media to try to shame us and try to get a, a mob against us. Uh, and, and, and then a so trick she, like, people? what's that? Like she literally panicked people. Like she made it seem like there was a, yeah. Oh, you can go to uh, next door. I have to be uh, illegal in some cases, right? Does well, I didn't talk to a lawyer about that because at first, picture this, I'm down at the creek with my three of my sons and we are all hunting and having a, having a great time. And by the way, I let all my other neighbors know, I'll let Arlene know too. I let all my neighbors know when we're hunting, they're all fine with it. We're out in the county. That, that's just the, the nature of it. But I'm down there on my phone while we're hunting noticing this and yeah, Arlene, this is, it's me. We're out here hunting. We're not active shooters out down here, hiding behind four wheelers. And, uh, but what happened is that really next door pounced on her and made her look really silly. And some other hunters got on there and said, Hey, it's perfectly legal. What are you talking about? That kind of thing. So that be it, it, the, you could say the smear backfired on her and she became the smeared based on our, on her own folly. But when I got back up at the house, like after we, we were hunting and we're, we're bringing our birds up from the, from the creek, I got to thinking of it. It's good grief. She single pointedly said, there is a shooter behind a four wheeler hiding in the bushes with a gun. And that's what she said on her post. Guess what? That was my 12 year old son. And I called the sheriff and I said, this is serious. It's like crying fire in a, a theater. If you. If I can use that analogy. And uh, the sheriff said, I don't know, he took the peacekeeping angle at it and said, hey, you got a point, but it's, we don't get into social media tiffs. Well, if it had been in the middle of a crowded space, right? That could have, anyway. Yeah. yeah. What if a neighbor took a vigilante kind of justice type of thing and shot one of us or something? Here's the thing. This is Christmas though. We have to be happy. So you need to figure out a way to kill her with kindness. Get for Christmas, get Chris, make it all go away. We're going to load up the car and go and sing Christmas carols in front of her window. I don't know that would be the best, perhaps, thing that I would, yeah. No. Also, get you chalk quicker. The plot thickens a little bit because right now we're going through a modification for our special use. And because of her, she actually wrote a letter to 200 neighbors of mine and, and to complaining about Mindy McLamping. Because I'm making a simple modification to my special use. My special use allows eight units on my property. And the modification is to allow some of those units to be uh, recreational vehicles. And, and instead of just all tents. Uh, so that's more complicated than that, but that's it in a nutshell. 
And it's simple modification. The commissioners are all on board with it. The planning commission's on board with it. She's not, even though it's an upgrade to tents, and even though it's a, it's an improvement to my special use. So she sent a letter out as if I don't have a special use. and just complained about our glamping operation. And out of 200 letters, I got about a dozen written in about angry neighbors who just jumped on the bandwagon, people who would never drive by my property ever. And then they submitted their opposition. So because there's about a dozen letters of opposition, it's going to go to planning commission and the commissioners rather than getting administratively approved. All right. We can circle back to neighbors in the end, but we got more happy things to talk about, Chris. Okay. I promise you we'll get back to you if we have time. And I'm sorry you're going to do that. I don't, obviously we can't solve it on the show here. We work through it. We work through it rationally, logistically. We make it, we do what we need to do to make it happen. It, it always ends up to be a better product in the end. I legitimized my property. I've built better structures. I've upgraded things that I probably wouldn't have upgraded if I didn't have this neighbor with a microscope looking at me and trying to complain about everything I'm doing. And actually has made things better. See, and that's a positive. I'm all for that, right? Every time I fail or mess up something, which is probably at least 11 times a day, (laughs) it's a success because I learned from it, right? So that's, and and I do enjoy, I appreciate hearing from you and other people about all the things that that are real with business operations, right? Because everybody will get on social media and share only the good things. But very few people hear the struggles and trials and tribulations and everything else that you have to get to to get where you are today, right? Yeah. Really appreciate you sharing and all that kind of stuff. Let's go to Dave from, we're going to save you Tyson off. We're going to save you guys for last because you might be the best. Don't tell anybody else that I said you're the best, but let's go to Dave for Canadian sleeping barrels. Dave, tell us about your super cool sleeping barrels. I know you briefly introduced it, but how'd you get started? Basically, we make barrel saunas, cedar yurts, wooden hot tubs, anything round, bent, or curved. And the sleeping barrels seem to fill a fairly good niche market in the glamping industry. They're a little better than a tent and they're portable. They don't need any permits. They're under a hundred square feet. And, uh, how portable are they? Can I push it down a hill if I want to relocate it in my glamping resort or you want me to donate one for the neighbor there? Do you? <laughs> I'm just, no, not my neighbor. No, we would never actually do that. Not, that was, not your neighbor, no. But like, you just want to, you say portable. So I'm just curious. I'm giving you a hard time. Dave. You can pick them up with a forklift or a little bobcat okay, with fork right. extensions. We ship them with crane trucks, little high ab crane trucks, and they arrive fully assembled. Other than that, we can take them apart and it would take two to four hours to reassemble it if we were to ship it somewhere. Okay. So tell me, how did you get into this, right? What sparked the idea for you to do all things round in the beginning? My original trade dried up. My original trade, believe it or not, is church furniture, church pews, courtroom seating, religious carvings. And when the Catholics started selling all their properties to pay court costs, I found other niche markets and I love anything round, bent or curved. So. That was the fascinating there. Basically, you're continuing your passion of working with wood. You got the yes. fascinating origin story for me. No, it's it, it's rewarding. I'm 70 years older now, and I've been doing this all my life. So it, it's a never uh, ending uh, pursuit of what's next. Uh, we've got a, a wine cellar in a barrel. Uh, we've got an office in a barrel that come out of COVID, a lot of realtors and people working out of their house wanted to get out in the backyard and get away from screaming kids or whatever, but it's always a progression. We put them on floats. Uh, we did a one with a tiki bar and a wood fired hot tub. So there's all kinds of fun, fun stuff that we're doing with them. What's the, of all the things that you've done with it, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about your climbing accommodation briefly, but of all the things you've done with it, the office and the maybe or maybe not putting kids in or out of it or adults in or out of it, what's the most thing, what's the thing that's been most exciting for you out of all of it? I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. 
Uh, basically, we're starting to get into all of the provincial parks now. So we just have five ready to deliver to the Cumberland Lake Provincial Park. Um, shipping them elsewhere, make a big wooden crate. Uh, we just shipped three to Lake Nibigan. They just ordered another one. We've got five at the Hatchy Bat First Nations Campground in Port Renfrew. And that's been an interesting experience having them on First Nations Campground. We got a call well, two years ago that a bunch of little kids got up one morning and took some baseball bats and busted all five bubbles. So we had to go out and replace all five bubbles. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so it wasn't under warranty. <laughs> I'm curious, just for the people who have not heard of your company, like we have a lot of large audience in the United States and maybe one or two people who live anywhere else. I'm kidding, regard. But for all the people who have, who've never heard of your company, talk to us about, we see a lot of glamping structures down here that are the, the traditional, the more traditional yurts and tents and cabins and things like that. Obviously we see that the design of yours is different and unique, and that certainly sets it apart by itself. But what goes into the kind of craftsmanship here that if somebody were to look at one of these, they can be confident they would last a, a long time. We have Alaskan yellow cedar cradles which is Cypress. They're good for sitting in the mud for about 300 years. The entire barrel. You tested the 300 year. I just want to make sure we don't. I don't look, I don't look that old. Do I? No, you look really young, but you could have something that we don't know about. There could be a supplement you're taking. No, Alaskan yellow cedar has quite a, a long history of, uh, being able to be in the environment and not rot. Okay. The, similar the to like, like, like a cheek or, or uh, no, it's, uh, just got more, uh, tannins in it. Uh, red cedar has natural tannins that prevent decay. Yellow cedar has more. And the, the entire barrel is made with Western red cedar. So it smells sweet all the time. Um, we have, uh, been able to put a wood stove. In fact, you can see in the picture behind me, there's a little mini wood stove. So if you wanted to extend your season and rent it out in the winter months or the cooler months, we also have a fridge unit with a Keurig coffee maker, um, a little fan, a USB charging station, and we have air conditioners that can go underneath the king size bed platform. So we're, we just keep modifying it based on customer requests and needs. I have a question. Do you, do you have any that have a restroom yet? Yeah, uh, we have a, um, portable sink and toilet that what we can do is extend the barrel to 16 feet from 14 and don't put a little porch, just have a, a little vestibule or a, a separate room and, uh, we can have it vented out. And it's, it's not a composting toilet. It's not something that's plumbed in, but if you get up at three in the morning and you want to have a tinkle, you don't got to get dressed and go to the washroom or whatever. So I, I'm curious, have you ever, and this goes on to his washroom question that he was asking, have you ever put two barrels together to extend them like a modular capacity where you would have more room to maybe plumb in something if somebody wanted to? Uh, basically the. The, uh, ones that we have put out there, um, it's quite unique how some of the people are configuring them, uh, but no, we haven't put two together per se. All right. And I, Tyson and Audrey and everybody else, you know, welcome to, I, I know you've been on the show before, but we'd love to have somebody jump in. So I don't bore everybody with my conversation. So if you have anything to say to, to Dave or anybody else, feel free to jump in, but. Uh, I want to come back to you, Dave, but let's go to, to Tyson and Audie and, and hear a little bit about the cool things that they're doing. So first, what is, what's Charmed Resorts? Go ahead and take over. Please. Okay. Sorry. We are in Crozenos Pass, Alberta, which is just like real close to the BC Alberta border. And we currently have 13 story book cottages there. And so when we say storybook, like a lot of people look at our stuff and they instantly are like, 
oh, you're doing like Disney castles or whatever. And no, we're not. What we're doing is we grab storybook, like classic fairy tales. We go back to the source material and we try to retell those stories with our structures. So we have Rumpelstiltskin out there, or we have Rapunzel out there. We have Jack and the Beanstalk, Hook, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, just being delivered next week. So we've just got a large variety of storybook films. I got your website pulled up here because you really just have to see this stuff, right? So what one? Yeah, it's hard to Tell me where you want to quick. Go click on, we're going to move our camera here. I plug in our laptop. So go look at Beast Castle. Beast is my new favorite. Is it? Okay, it's on Explore More. Yeah, click on that. Sorry, the sun is literally in my eyes. I'm not squinting at your website. <laughs> Wendy's, expired Chip, Hatter's House, Beast Castle. All right. So this is what I think we're. I think your screen might be frozen. It's not showing it on airs. No, uh, hold on. It opened in the new window. So, so Beast Castle, we just delivered that one. Is that a month ago now? I yeah, it'll be five weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Five weeks ago, we delivered this one. So this is part of our, our Beauty and the Beast collection. Uh, so we have Bell's Castle or Bell's Cottage up already. Sets right beside it. Uh, we tried to go back to the classic fairy tales that people really resonate with and really enjoy. And we do a lot through our social media. Audie makes content daily uh, where she puts polls out there and talks to people who follow us. We have around million one followers or a million followers, something like that. And so she tries to get the feedback constantly from them. And we take that information and then we adapt it to what we can do. And we try to mobilize actually quite quickly. We'll go from building a cottage. We'll design, completely build, install in the matter of six, seven weeks for that pulse process. So talk so go ahead, please continue. Yeah. So so we built, we built quite a few different iterations of our cottages and there's been a natural evolution of the things that people need and want at our resorts. And because we're able to be, to adapt so quickly, we've been able to, to change as our cottages have progressed. So we originally started with just doing like a storybook cottage, which is our midsummer cottage. It had the bathroom separate. We were going to have shared bathroom accommodations. But then that changed to, no, we need to have a bathroom attached. And we were already building our Rapunzel cottage at the time. So we cut a hole in the wall. We built a bathroom that attached to it. And then we found out, okay, people want tables inside. That came later, but a sink. They yeah, wanted a sink, sink to, to wash dishes. Yeah. So, so we extended our bathroom unit and did a kitchen. And then, yeah, I guess you can talk about the rest that we've adapted. I want to talk, I want to definitely give her audio a chance to talk about the inside because that's what, right? The outside is great when you first see it, but the inside is what makes the whole stay. But tell me first how, like back up for the people who don't know Charm Resorts, who are not part of the million plus followers on social media. How do you end up doing something like this? We started building playhouses like eight-ish years ago and our company very quickly went from, our initial intention was like, you can see ours in the backyard. It's nothing crazy. Um, that's the first playhouse we ever built. And our intention was never to build anything too crazy just for the average family. But very quickly, the demand to build things. Very luxurious playhouses for customers that can afford a $100,000 playhouse or more. <laughs> and so the resort became a way for us to offer what we do to regular families like our own. And, and part of that adoption came because when you build like a 10 or $20,000 playhouse and you ship it across the nation, oftentimes your shipping for that is going to cost you five, six, seven, eight grand, right? So it had to, 
it, it only made sense to make that product luxurious so that the shipping fraction of the cost compared to what you were actually getting on that shipment. And so we, we quickly pivoted from our $20,000 playhouses to hundred, $200,000, $300,000 playhouses. And when we did that, like the gates, we actually got picked up by a TV show. We did TV, TLC, Discovery. And so we were able to get our brand out there initially, but we saw that there was a piece of the market that we were missing, which is the mass population. We cannot afford our playhouses. We couldn't even afford our own playhouses that we were building, right? Like the one in the best, you know, 10 or 15,000 playhouse that's middle class that's already an expensive purchase. We came up with the idea of doing sort accommodations. We built one, tested it, it sold out, literally like we posted it when an article came out with the article and it sold out literally in a couple of days and for the summer. For the summer. So we knew we were onto something. And this was right as COVID was taken off. And so coincidentally, we had playhouse shop canceled because of COVID. Our resort accommodations took off during COVID because they were single household where we go to, they never got shut down. And it took off and we pivoted. And now we're doing both. We're doing playhouses and resorts, but it was good timing for what we ended up deciding to do. All right. So talk to us, obviously, was it fair to say that you're the master of the outside and Audi is the master of the inside? Is that fair? I, I'd say so. Yeah. All right. All right. So we've talked about the outside. We looked at some of the pictures. Talk us through why it's so important and critical to have the inside look the way it does. I think a huge part of our audience is women my age and generally moms and most wanted to that whole storybook um, experience for this day so my dream as a kid was to walk into a real storybook so you had to make sure that it feels that way inside and out and it's a lot of work like they are fully themed all the way through we think of me and my kids we read the story that we're building about and we look through all the little details and we find every little decoration that can go with the story whether it's the animals that are part of the story or plants or whatever colors we pick out every detail that we can from the original story and add it to the inside and a lot of people will, will miss a lot of the clues if you've only ever watched a movie about that story you might miss a lot of the clues but if you've read if you're a sleuth and you've read the original stories you'll be able to go in and find all these easter eggs from the story and it makes for a really fun experience now I need to go back. So I did stay in Gingerbread Cottage, right? And we had we saw the huge book in there of, I think it was, I can't remember, Jack and the Beanstalk? Was that, or what? No, it wasn't Jack and the Beanstalk. I don't know. Uh, Are there, oh, it was the collection of all the Grimm's fairy tales was the book. There was, there was a bunch of books in there, but it was, that was the one we were picking up. So we were paging through that and I was trying to get my girlfriend to let me tell her story. She just isn't the type that wants to be read the whole original fairy tales. But anyway, now I have to go back and I've learned the whole story because I feel like I missed stuff. Did you notice that the bunk bed was a cage? At the, the top one? Yeah, that was all a cage. It was like beautiful spindle work. Maybe not. You can see, you, like, you can saw it was it. enclosed, but I don't know if that I recognized it was a cage. Now I feel terrible. You can see it on our website. On the, if you click on the gingerbread cottage, you can see the interior photos of that. Thanks for embracing yeah, me, like, nice. I'm a terrible person now. It, I didn't notice anything. It's, it's, subtle, it's subtle details like that. And then it had an oven in there. Do you do anything like that with on social media? I know you talk about, and I've seen it on your show. I watched a couple of your episodes, right? And, and how you do the decorations to the playhouses or, or did at the time the show aired, right? I'm sure it's the same way. But do you tell any of those stories on social media about the little hidden things or? Yeah, for sure. I, I try to, I tell a lot of it because we do full tours when we're done each project, we'll do a full tour and then we'll redo it later. I try to give as much de details as I can when we're doing full tours, but then there's always something or not always, but often something that we'll save for the guests. I don't want to share on social media because I want it to be like something you discover. And I want to give an example, but then I'm, then you're going to tell them. Yeah. So don't. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, Go ahead. We did have like 
in Hook's pirate ship, I'll give a partial clue. So like in Hook's pirate ship, there's a map with a clue on it and something to find that's hidden throughout the rest of the ship. I don't know if I've ever said that or not online yet, but... Don't worry, nobody watches our show anyway. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I think it speaks really well, though. We talk about this a lot, I think, on the show. The difference between accommodations and experience. And I think all those guys are describing are the things that create the experience for the families and the guests that stay with you. And that ultimately that's really, that's the business you're in. It's creating that immersive experience. True. And we honestly feel like we're so far away from where we want our experience to be for people. But we'll often hear people say, oh my gosh, you thought of every detail. And me and Tyson are like, no, we literally walked around after and picked out every single thing we wish we would have done in the cottages, but also like at the resort as a whole. We have so much left to do. I think always our toughest critics, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just envision our resort like 10 years from now looking completely different from how it is today. We want it to be the most luxurious experience that you have, but you literally feel like you've transformed into a different reality when you come through our gates. And so we're looking forward to trying to do that as we continue to grow. Well, Tyson, you guys build these yourselves too, right? Like you're not hiring contracting manufacturing company to do this. You guys have really bootstrapped a lot of this, poured yourself into these units. And so I think anytime you built something yourself, you have the, the tendency that you walk around and see all the things that didn't go right. You see all the things, mm-hmm. oh, that's still broken. I've been meaning to get that fixed for the last three days or, or whatever it is. But you're going to notice those things because it's part of your story. You built it. Whereas the average guest is going to come in and just be blown away by what they see. Yeah, we literally started the resort probably a little naive, like we started with zero dollars for the project. Fortunately, we've had incredible occupancy on our stuff and it gets a strong nightly rate. Like our nightly rate ranges from 350 to $500 a night. And we've been able to take that revenue and roll it back into our projects, put some short-term money into it. And then we were actually able to, to do a really innovative financing deal with the banks like recently, just RBC. Uh, and we were able to do a deal that was like, never has never been done in Canada before to help us to grow our organization. And with that, there's lots of little things that we wish we could do today, but because of the cash flow of building an expensive resort, our units are two, 300, even $400,000 a unit, depending on which one we're doing. So you can imagine how much money we've had to to put into this, to be able to get to where we are. Yeah. And I'm not building anything as, as amazing as those kind of unique, really good glamping, really amazing glamping accommodations. But I understand what you're talking about from a business standpoint, there's a list of things 10 miles long that I'd like to get to tomorrow that either it's capital or people or time or something that's holding me up. And I, I think you guys clearly have outlaid that. The important thing is that you've outlaid that vision in your head. And then you, you just have to be patient enough and know that you'll get there, which I think you guys do. Right. I've talked to you several times. I, I, I don't doubt that you're going to get where you want to go. And every, every year we get to hire new people that are really good at filling those spaces that we're lacking in. And that's a really joyful part of the job too, is, is working alongside people who are so good at what they do. I think we've got some of them watching back at the shop right now <laughs> on, on this meeting, but We've been able to, like, we've been able to grow our organization to having 30 full-time staff. So we have our manufacturing firm, which is Charm Playhouses, and we have our resort side, which is Charm Resorts. And yeah, it's been incredible to build that team and we look forward to continuing to grow it. So is it fair to say that if you had to choose between where my time goes, your time goes, right? Is that more into the resorts in the future or is that equal still? No, it's, it's actually probably pretty equal. Our, our company is getting, we intend on it being much more than a resort company. 
We want to exploit the IP that we develop within our company and license it across many different areas and really just create a fairy tale family brand that will be used, whether it's in home furniture or decorating or storytelling or dog houses, playhouses, uh, experience driven businesses. There's a lot of avenues that we can go with our company. As of today, our focus is to get the resorts off the ground so that the resorts is a driving, like a driving factor behind our company because it gets us out to the masses. And then there'll continue to be additional charmed offerings for the resorts and playhouses. Speaking of IP, I know because I, I do follow you guys on social media. I've followed you for about a year now. And props to you, Audi, because I think it's one of the better channels that I follow, know that a lot of the inspiration and the design and the stories that you guys have chosen and things that are fair use, things that are in the public. And, and I'm sure you've gotten those requests like, oh, when are you going to do a Moana treehouse? right? It, it, you know, a while before Disney loses the rights to Moana, but there is, there's one that's coming up. I think that. Christopher Robin, Winnie the Pooh has been fair use for a while, but I think mm-hmm. that the uh, trademark copyrights on Tigger run out in 2020. And so I'm wondering what are the future plans? What are other units? What are your most often requested additions? What's in the plans? I didn't, I knew Winnie the Pooh had just gone through. So we've actually talked about that one. It would, it would be. Zach probably incredible. doesn't know the name of our of our latest child. We just had a child eight months ago, 11 years after our last. His name is actually Winnie. That's not the one. So. So anyway, yeah, uh, we would love Winnie the Pooh. We've we've gone back and forth on it that. So if we want to do a whole hundred acre wood, we have Wizard Wizard of Oz. Let's let's dive into that a little bit though. Our debate that Audie and I have had between that is whether or not we want to do something that was distinctly Disney, even though the licensing has come, we, we don't want to be Disney. We want to be charmed. And we go back and forth on that, whether or not we want to do that, even though it's free game. We've talked about adding a, like a swear jar at work, where if you accidentally use Disney's IP, (laughs) right. For example, and I have actually done, I've done it myself you were talking about the Little Mermaid, and I said Ariel, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, no, Ariel is exclusively Disney, but the Little Mermaid is an old classic story. So, I I am am fairly confident that we have not stepped on any toes because I do know that each time we do a build, I make sure to know the difference between original story versus you know what is owned by Disney. But um, I think ultimately, there's lots of great stories out there to be told, and as part of our company, we're trying to find those great stories that people resonate with. And I think people appreciate seeing something new and different and, and it's worked okay so far. Kind of blocked that sun with my head. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, and it, it, to be fair, this is an ignorant question maybe, but is Winnie the Pooh actually Disney? Cause I didn't know that. And I grew up watching him. It's not. They bought the story. Race, okay. All right. But they expired just this year. Yes. So it was a story. But it was one of the few stories that actually was purchased by Disney. So it's unique compared to most of the other ones. Disney's done Peter Pan themed things, but they've never owned the story of Peter Pan. Whereas with Winnie the Pooh, they did actually own it for a while and now they don't. And so anything that we did with Winnie the Pooh would have to be straight from that original book. And we'd have to just be so careful that we didn't accidentally pick something that is exclusive to them. And these companies, like these big companies, they're smart with their IP. If you're talking about IP and, and how they develop it, you look at Mickey Mouse, he is actually coming to be public domain, but just the original Mickey Mouse that is black and white and doesn't have gloves. You could actually go exploit that IP. To my understanding, you better go check it for yourself for anyone who's watching. <laughs> but they, what they do is each year they change their characters and the names of things unique spellings and unique way of presenting it to the world. So that IP is reset from that time when they've made those changes. 
right? I mean, that's why we're trying to just go back to classic fairy tales. And also to be clear, because we'll get messages. We get, this is probably the topic that we talk to our followers the most. We'll get messages that say, well, just put it in there and don't show it. Just do a teapot instead of naming it Mrs. Pot. And people will know what it means, but you're not actually. Because the teapot's not actually in the classic. Yeah, the character. The character. Yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Pot. Pots. And it's just not what we're interested in doing. We're not interested in getting as close to the line as we can. We're interested in creating something new, something that's our own, our own from old fairy tales. But we don't want to write Disney's coattails. No, it's not fun. It's fun to create your own. And if somebody wants Disney, they can go stay at Disney. Exactly. Because it's a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. They're obviously incredible at what they do. Like this is never to say, oh, we don't want to be Disney because they're not incredible. They are incredible, but they're there. They exist. And bringing something new and different to the people that kind of want a little bit more of a boutique feeling experience is what we're interested in doing. We, we'd prefer to Disney to want to acquire us rather than litigate us someday. Yeah. Do you have any writers or I know you have creatives for a, a build, right? But do you have any writers on your team? No one specifically, but we have a lot of people who are very good at it. Because this is, I think what you're talking about is very easy to deviate from Disney. And I think you already know this, right? I think the hook is to get them into the charm, maybe with Disney, because the brand is already there, not with Disney, but you understand what I'm saying. Disney-like. Yeah. Uh, And then I think you have a very, it's just telling the story, just like Disney's created Mickey Mouse and had to brand Mickey Mouse and get it into the minds of all the consumers so they can understand and appreciate and crave and want a Mickey Mouse experience, right? At the resorts or everywhere else. I think that's very easy for you to create a story and brand it, especially if it's the second time they're experiencing Charmed. Yeah, it, it it comes down to the matter of like how much bandwidth we have within our company and capital to be able to exploit that, right? That's where it comes back to your question of whether or not Charm Resorts is our main focus. Yeah, it is today, but down the road, who knows? It could be film, it could be TV, it could be products. We have a whole beautiful merch line we've been developing right now as well. There's lots of roads that we can go down when when you're in the family space and the storybook telling fairy tales and storybook contents there's endless possibilities dave are there any classic fairy tales about a barrel <laughs> you're are you muted i had you on mute sorry no just the songs roll up the barrel <laughs> sea shanty those no fairy tales. Again, I think that's the opportunity, right, is, is to create your own fairy tales. And I think you, in, in whatever direction you take there, obviously that's more merchandise and that's more, that's even that you don't have to toe the line and walk. But so I want to give Audie a chance because she sent in an email and, and made a suggestion about, I think you mentioned management, right? Where were, you, where were you going with that, Audie, that you wanted to talk about? Oh, I was just curious about anybody else. Yeah. here if they've used any like great tools like we don't live where our resort is we, we can and then more on install weeks but we have a great manager out there and i was just curious if anybody had any other tools that they use to site management tools. first yes yeah, site met thank you brian so, it used to be a good time while we're talking about management to mention our sponsors oh yes our sponsor because shara keeps bothering me with that in the <laughs> private conversation because I always forget to do all that stuff. But our sponsor, yeah, is, is Horizon Outdoor Hospitality, which happens to coincidentally be one of many great third-party management groups that are out there in the campground RV park glamping space. And so I don't know, again, I want to talk to you a little bit about that and maybe figure out where I can give a good recommendation if you're looking for like a, a total management company, if you're looking for software, if you're looking for whatever. But I think Horizon does do quite a bit of that. And, and we're definitely grateful for them sponsoring the show. Sorry, Horizon, that I took 40 Eight minutes and 13 seconds to get you in there. We love you, Scott Foose. Okay. But yeah, but talk to us about a little bit of what you're like thinking, because that obviously is a rabbit hole. We only have 10 minutes, right? But I think Zach, could you want to comment on, do you have anything, thoughts on that? Or? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, I think it really goes back to what Tyson and Audie mentioned at the very beginning, which is what is the guest experience that you want to deliver? We've, we've seen a a large range in the resorts that we've worked on where many of these are a little more hands-off and, and they rely heavily on 
a software or an online booking tool to communicate effectively with their guests. You're going to get an email or a text message. You're going to get a DR code to get into your unit. But, and I think that's great and it, it works well on, on certain sites, but I think across the board, one of the things that we've seen industry-wide is just elevated guest expectations. And I think that translates into the overall experience. From a bottom line perspective, it, it does have an effect on ADRs. And I think the more hands-on hosted experience that you can create, the better guest experience that you're going to deliver. And so I think really that's the first step is deciding what is that guest experience that you're trying to achieve. And then I think there's different tools are, are better for different There's certainly things that as an operator on the back end make your life a lot easier. Some of the things that we've seen recently are some really integrated property management softwares where updating those key codes for your, your door access, lighting controls, smart thermostats, all these things can be tied into your property management software to where you as an operator aren't having to go out and make sure these folks are checking in late. I got to get the port light turned on or the string lights out front, or I got to make sure the heat's on. Um, all those things are handled passively or automated through your property management software. Uh, but th there's a lot of different options out there. I don't know if that really answers the, the question, Audie, that you had. Um, well, but I, I think letting it be driven by that guest experience is, is really the key. And I, and I want to let you answer that, Audie. Um, just to see if that's what you're looking for, if we can expound further. But I think that to your point, Zach, like it is the experience. And I think you have to decide each individual, each individual person, each individual resort has to decide what can I automate that would allow me to do more of that guest experience, right? For example, right. The door and things like that. I don't need to do that in person. I don't need to do that one-on-one -on -one because I can automate that. And then that gives me more time to give personalized service in another area. Yeah, no, that was you guys tried. I could see, cause it's an automatically generated email, right? You can send images, graphics, you can format it however you want. I can envision something fitting with your brand that it's more of a, an animated scroll that unrolls and, or a wax seal that gets broken. And it's this parchment paper with fancy calligraphy text on it, welcoming your guests to their weekend fantasy, right? This immersive experience get away in a fairy tale for 24 hours. So I think it's, there's lots of tools and, and things. I think making sure that you use technology for what it's, what it's good at, but not let it replace personal touch, the branded piece you guys have created and done so well. We got, I got to let her talk because we're going to get off in a tangent here about what AI can do with personalized videos and scrolls and all kinds of that. Anyway, so go ahead, Audie. Oh man, no, we'd love to hear it. No, for us, like we said earlier, we have so much in our heads that we want this experience to be that it is not yet. It's a good experience. We believe we're providing a great experience, but of course, we'll never stop iterating and trying to make it better and better. And we're always in that. What can we automate so that other things can get done? But then when we automate, you miss that personal touch sometimes with people. For sure. And I think we've learned that actually a lot of people, a lot of people think they like automation but in the end apparently human interactions even if we don't know that we love them we do love them make us happy anyway and work in that just trying to figure out the best way of, of balancing the two well i think that's critical that you're even thinking about that right and let's use an example that's super close to home that you can criticize me about right so we tried out the peter pan bot on your website right mm -hmm. and I, one of the the things that Paige had told me was that it, we, we were running into issues where people needed, needed to talk to a human being right and they yeah. couldn't get there and so we actually, not because of Paige, although we're willing to give her credit if she wants it, but it was a couple of weeks before somebody had mentioned to us, like uh, with a resort, what if you put this on Facebook and somebody talks about speeding trucks through the campground or there's a bear or whatever, right? Same principle. You need to be able to get a hold of a human. And mm -hmm. so these are things that we've solved now by allowing them to send text messages if it detects it's an emergency or things like that. But that's what you're talking about. There has to be that balance. There has to be a technology is here, but it helps you only to a certain point to where if you want a human, you can get to it. And that's not just with chatbots, it's with everything you're talking about. I think we're moving into a time when human interactions are being limited 
greatly. You can think of how many of the, the big companies that we all interact with, whether it's Facebook, Google or whatever, how hard it is to get a hold of these companies yes. when you need to do something. Literally, a majority of these companies do not even post their phone number anymore because they don't want you to call them. And which is weird in a consumer you know, place, like how can they get to a place where they're allowed to do that? But I think we all do crave an actual human connection that a lot of people talking about. Of course and, we do. It, it's the balance between the automation and what you actually. Well, it's what type of human interaction do you crave, right? Like I don't crave the human interaction to call somebody and wait on hold to talk to them for 20 minutes to figure out what my door code is and the procedures, right? Yeah. But I would love to talk to somebody about a fairy tale experience that I'm having or the unique things that are inside the cabin that I might want to look for. Like the, we won't mention that again because maybe people missed it. The thing inside the hook cabin, make sure you look for it when you stay there. <laughs> but right, like I, th I think that's the idea is that we can have that human experience while still being mindful of what they don't want to do as part of the human experience yeah. or they've been trained that they don't have to do. Mm -hmm. If automation takes over some of the more utilitarian pieces, like making sure the heat's on, then that frees up your time as an operator. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, the fun stuff and that direct guest connection piece and talking to people when you're not the day-to-day -day regular tasks, if we can take that off of an operator's plate or they just know that it's handled, it's taken care of, then that frees you up to do those other things that are more important. Zach, you actually brought up a point earlier that hit home for me where you talked about the lights being automated to turn on. I've never thought of automating that. It's always been on our checklist for our cleaners and stuff, make sure the light is flipped on, blah, 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 because we... Every one of our cottages is lit up in, it's called gemstone lighting. It's like the holiday yeah. lighting that people are putting all in houses. Yeah. My brother out of Calgary actually invented that lighting. And so we use it on all of our stuff. Um, but it would be super nice if, if it was like six o'clock, <laughs> turns on the lights, gemstone lights are all on, the resort is all lit up and it turns, turn it off only at whatever time if we want. Become yeah. Yeah, but yeah. All that is, and I know Zach will tell you about a property management system probably that has done it at one of his resorts, but all that, whether you use that property management system or not, can be automated today. It's literally just a question of the time that you have to spend. To, if, it, if that integrates with your PMS system and they know the guest, you ask the guest what time is your anticipated arrival, right? And then back that up two hours in advance of that because people are usually late and then have the lights come on at that time. It saves you electricity. It saves you time. The guest is ready. Like... All that stuff can be done today. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can send a text message to your guests. Are you still anticipated arrival at 4 PM? They say, yes, at 2 PM, the heat kicks on the, the door code gets programmed. You can input sensors, oh, occupancy sensors, daylight sensors, door sensors to where oh, oh. the lights will turn on at dusk. Zach, um, I, this in my life. <laughs> we can, we need to talk. I can help. Yeah. yeah I think there's yeah. a number of things I need to talk to you about. The other thing I think that's, that I'm excited about is the cost for some of this stuff has gotten very reasonable. It's not putting two and $3,000 into one of your glass units in order to take advantage of some of these things. You're talking about probably five or 600 bucks in hardware, and then maybe eight to $10 a month in, in licensing for some of the software services to make it all operate and run. Interesting. And that's the thing I want to talk to you about too, Zach. We'll have book a meeting with me, please, because I want to see what you're talking about. Because we can do it all piecemeal on the back end, customized for each business. But if sure. there's software that's better, you know, I want to hear all that stuff. So I want to hear what you're using too. But by the way, one thing that I failed to mention earlier, but I just want to clarify our cottages are all built on site in leverage at our facility and they're modular. So we ship them all over the place. That's, and that's part of our business model, but we're not actually building on site for res remote resort, whatever. And we got a little bit into automation, but I did. And, and I, we, if we, can we go over a couple of minutes, Tyson and audio, even if Zach, you have to leave or something like that. Yeah, I'm good. I'm just curious. Well, but, you do have another call. I got to get to here shortly. I probably do too, but I'm not looking at my calendar now. So whoever is waiting on me, sorry. But I wanted to talk to you about this, the, the future path of where Charm, and I know many different directions, but let's just narrowly focus on Charm Resorts right now, right? Is it, like, where do you want to take it? But before, me, before I speculate, because I've talked to you about a couple of things that you want to do, in your own words, where would you like to go? 
It depends which one of you us you ask. I asked I, Oprah. I've never talked to you, Audie. I don't think so. <laughs> His answer's better though. His answer's the funner one. I'll be happy if I can be creative for the rest of my life. Wherever that goes, I'll be happy. But Tyson has a different vision for happening. I would like term regards dot North America like you would see KOAs, but a very dis- distinct experience. Uh, so, yeah, I've got big plans for it being all over the place. We think it could be, it could compete with the Disneyland experience someday. I think it could too. So the, so the question is, do you franchise that? Do you, like, what's gone through your head with how you, do you own, do you buy land, do you develop, do you? Our strategy right now is, I'm going to tell this out, but our strategy right now is to license out our resorts to vendors across North America where we book up our build schedule so that we can scale our building manufacturing facility here in Lethbridge and make it our headquarters. That is a different experience. Once we get enough, enough cash flow, the licensing deals that we have that will then go do charm resorts that are owned and operated by our company solely. Right. So. How do you make sure the quality is charmed quality if you license? We have very strict uh, contracts that were franchise agreements. They're not franchise agreements, they're they're licensing agreements, but similar to a franchise agreement that we're spelling out what things we're going to be controlling, what it looks like, how it's interacted and, and the penalties associated if people decide to go off on their own and try to change what that experience looks like without our permissions. So where do you feel like you fit best? If you look at a, you're looking at just licensing to solely glamping resorts, are you looking to license at people who have RV resorts and want to add glamping? How do you feel you best fit into what exists already? So we will not like go mix it with other accommodation type of stuff. It's going to have its own entranceway into charmed resorts. It can be on a neighboring property that is all owned by the same people but it's going to operate as an independent business and no, it's not with RVs. It's not with tenting or any of that kind of stuff right now. It is a charmed resort that has storybook cottages and then restaurant experience, storefront experience. And then picking partners whose values are going to align with ours. Like, I don't think we mesh well with someone who just wants to go out and make a bunch of money. We mesh well with people who are excited about this, excited about the family experience, about the aesthetic of what we do, that it's really important that they, that they understand what we do because the experience is so important to us. We, a lot of times, will sacrifice revenues for the sake of beauty in our cottages because we believe that long-term, that'll pay us back Rather than punching something out that I feel like I could rent all night long, we, yeah. Remember you said that. Yeah, I know. It's a constant, (laughs) it really is. It's a constant battle within our company because our stuff is not cheap to build. Like they're unique, each one of them. I'm curious, Zach, what you think on the balance between experience and profit, because you work with so many of these different designs. Okay. I tell everybody, like, not every decision should be made or driven by the bottom line, but it doesn't matter how pretty and and cool and fanciful we can design something if we can't afford to build it and we can't afford to pay that loan payment at the end of the month or or we're uncomfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about the biggest bang for your buck. Right. Every project we do, we, we start with a master plan. That's a, maybe a 10 or 15 or 20 year vision. And then we're going to pare that back down into bite-sized pieces of what can we accomplish now in the short term? Where do we want to be over the next three years or five years? And then what are some of the big ideas that we'd love to eventually get to, but it's not in the cards right now. And so I, I think it's, it shouldn't be, it, it budget's all the factor. It shouldn't be your first factor. 
It shouldn't be the thing that drives that decision. That should go back to who you are as a brand, as a company, and that guest experience that you're trying to deliver. And it helps, but it makes you more profitable. Yeah, it's one of those things that you roll the dice with, right? Is this going to pay me back? I hope so. And I think it, it's not being afraid to make mistakes and be wrong. There's a lot of times where you can try something and be like, this isn't working. Or we built this. It's our lowest renting unit. And, <laughs> and so yeah, those are the things that you look and say, is there a way that we could repurpose this? Is there something we could do different? Is there something we did wrong here? And, and don't be afraid to make some of those mistakes and, and react to it too. Because then the dice becomes a weighted dice. You get a bigger advantage every time because you learn from your, right? Yeah. Totally agree. I actually feel really relieved when some mistakes are very stressful, but a lot of the mistakes almost give me a sense of relief because I'm like, now they know. <laughs> they just learned the best lesson they can learn, right? With everybody in the company. That's the only way we can learn is by trying something. And it either goes right or wrong. But when it goes wrong, you sure remember. That's the same thing I said. My best successes are my failures because they lead to greater success. But all right. Do we have anything else we want to talk about before we, I know everybody's here late. Really appreciate you guys staying here, but Chris, Dave, I'm sorry we didn't get to talk to you guys more today. That's just like to say, you, Tyson and Audrey, you guys touched on some really nice nuggets that, that are important for all glamping owners, owner operators, especially. It's that you're very encouraging and keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Dave, any last words about your amazing sleeping barrels? Amazing sleeping, sleeping barrels? Uh, no, I'm totally yeah. impressed with uh, Tyson and Audie's uh, work. Never seen it before. It's great. Thank you. Well, Thanks, I think, Dave. And if, if you've got any saunas, send them our way. We'd, we'd love to see what you have. You know what? If you're looking for constructive criticism, that was the only thing that I didn't, that we didn't like when we stayed there was that, and it wasn't your fault. We couldn't call. We wanted to go back and enjoy the hot tub, but we never got to because the neighbor put their picnic table behind their house, like whatever one was next to us, right? Uh, outdoor neighbors, people there. And we were like, we in our bathing suit and sit outside and have 15 people crunching down on watermelons and barbecuing next to us. <laughs> that will change as well as we get our, as we get our landscaping all done. Right now we've, we've got minimal landscaping, basically nature, because we got to move in our cottages. We lift in our cottages in a matter of a day in afternoon, we lift it in and then we spend a couple of days just to fix it up and get it ready to operate. The landscaping is all coming probably this summer. And we figured that right. Again, just like, yeah, yeah, criticism. Yeah. I think you've already thought about it, but sure. yeah, it annoys <laughs> Uh, and then I'll come back. Let me know when it's done. Yeah, perfect. Zach, any final thoughts? I don't want to skip you for your final thoughts. No, I just, I, I really enjoy getting to meet new people every month when we do these things. And like I said, I've, I've been following you guys for at least a year. Really, I join to get to know you and, and talk to you a little bit and discovering new products. I think this is my first time seeing the sleeping barrels. I've seen the cedar-sided hot tubs and the saunas seen those numerous times before and i think there's a lot of different companies doing them but these are really cool and I, I, you go check it out learn more about it awesome thank you guys i really appreciate you dave from canadian sleeping barrels uh, on vancouver island i'm gonna have to come check you out sometime you're not too far from me chris as always thanks for being a recurring guest sorry we didn't get back to your neighbors but i really hope you resolve that in your favor maybe invite make your own special charmed resort or something we should have her on the show it'd be great round we can put her on the show and pretend she's live <laughs> yeah, yeah that would work all right zach as always thank you for from clockwork and obviously tyson and audie really appreciate you sharing your story with us and all those kinds of things and, and to everybody who's the brains behind the operation walking the operation back walking walk. back in the warehouse who are doing all the hard work <laughs> but, yeah, right yeah um, thank you guys for watching as well appreciate you and we will see you next week for our wrap-up show for 2020 other than that we'll talk about glamping again in 2024 thanks guys happy new year merry christmas everything else see you later all right bye guys thank see you ya. thanks for 
joining us for this episode of MC Fireside Chats with your host, Brian Searle. Have a suggestion for a show idea? Want your campground or company in a future episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Get your daily dose of news from moderncampground.com. And be sure to join us next week for more insights into the fascinating world of outdoor hospitality.